This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. In this episode, Amber McIver delves into the science and history behind nuclear conflict. Tiki, the word shouted to warn of an oncoming enemy plane. Now, on the morning of August 6, 1945, a uranium fueled atomic bomb dubbed Little Boy was dropped with no warning on the Japanese city of Hiroshima. Following that, a second atomic bomb, this time fueled by plutonium, dubbed Fat Man, was dropped on the Japanese port city of Nagasaki. Today, we explore the physics behind how the first atomic weapons used in war were made, as well as the conflict between the US and the Japanese, how it escalated and how it resulted in the tragic deaths of over 200,000 people. I want to start by First, talking about the nuclear aspect of the atomic bombings, so nuclear fission. Now, the bombs work on the basis of nuclear fission, and nuclear fission is where the heavy nucleus of an atom, so ones such as uranium or plutonium, it splits into two nuclei of roughly equal mass. And so when a uranium nucleus, for example, is bombarded with neutrons, This causes this uranium atom to split, and it also releases energy in the form of heat and radiation, as well as other neutrons. These other neutrons go on to split other uranium atoms, and the process repeats and repeats and repeats. And this is what we call a nuclear chain reaction. And this nuclear chain reaction is what causes an atomic bomb to explode and to detonate. The two types of atomic bomb designs discussed are the gun assembly design and the implosion design. And so the gun assembly design shoots subcritical slugs of fissionable material together in a hollow tube. And so the collision of these two subcritical slugs will cause the uranium to reach critical mass and this critical mass will trigger the nuclear train reaction and hence the explosion. The Implosion design was thought to be the most effective way to utilise a small amount of plutonium that had been made and produced at that time because the gun assembly requires a lot of uranium and so it was thought that the plutonium wouldn't be compatible with that. And so the implosion design uses layers of high explosives that implode the fissionable plutonium and it puts it under enormous pressure and this forms a dense mass and this dense mass is what achieves the critical mass and that will trigger the explosion and the nuclear chain reaction for plutonium. And so the conflict started primarily as like a repayment for what happened at Pearl Harbor and it's also used to justify like the expenses of the Manhattan Project but it's also thought to prompt the Japanese to surrender earlier in the war but what happened at Pearl Harbor was the Japanese launched a surprise aerial attack on the US naval base at Pearl Harbor on December 7th 1941 and they thought that they could cripple the US fleet and this would buy them time in the Pacific and the southeast where fighting was happening But instead, it brought the U.S. into the war when they declared war on Japan. And the conflict between these two would end when the U.S. dropped the atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. 
The first atomic bomb was a plutonium implosion device called Gadget, and it was raised to the top of a 30-metre steel tower called Zero. The tower was essentially vaporised by the heat of the explosion and a crater 800 metres in diameter and almost 8 metres deep was formed. And at the bottom of this crater was a glassy jade-coloured mineral that was named Trinitite. The bomb generated an explosion equivalent to almost 21,000 tonnes of TNT. The news of this successful test had reached Truman, who was attending the final meeting of the Big Three Allied Powers in Potsdam, Germany. And Truman had informed Soviet leader Joseph Stalin that the United States possessed a new weapon of unusual destructive force. And so on July 26, the Big Three issued an ultimatum calling on Japan to surrender unconditionally or to face, quote, prompt and utter destruction. And so when it became clear that there was no surrender, plans to use the bomb had gone into effect. And by this time, several B-29 bombers had been modified to carry the atomic weapons. And a staging base at Tinian in the Mariana Islands, 2400 k south of Japan, it had been expanded to the world's largest airfield. By August 2nd, 1945, a uranium-fueled gun assembly bomb dubbed Little Boy and a plutonium-fueled implosion bomb dubbed Fat Man, they were named this because of their size, they were transported to Tinian. And by the end of May 1945, the list of possible targets had been narrowed to Kokura, Hiroshima, Nagata, and Kyoto. But Kyoto was Japan's ancient capital, and it was placed at the top of the list. But it was removed from consideration due to its cultural significance. And so Nagasaki, being a port city, was very important, and it was added in its place. Hiroshima was the primary target due to its military significance. Hiroshima served as a headquarters for the Japanese Second Army, and because planners also believed that the compactness of the urban area would vividly demonstrate the destructive power of the bomb that would be dropped. And so Colonel Paul W. Tibbetts Jr. was the commander of the 509th, and he would pilot the B-29 that would drop the first atomic bomb. And shortly before takeoff at around 2.45 in the morning, Tibbetts asked a maintenance worker to paint his mother's name, the Enola Gay, on the nose of the aircraft. Once the Enola Gay was airborne, the final components were added to Little Boy, and it was done after takeoff because a number of modified B-29 bombers had crashed, and it was thought that a fully constructed bomb and an airplane crash would cause the bomb to detonate and thus wiping out the installation at Tinian. So two other B-29s accompanied the Rolligate to serve as observation and camera planes. And so on the morning of August 6th, the skies were clear and the Gay encountered no airborne opposition as it approached the target city. At 7.15 in the morning, the bomb was armed and the Gay ascended to an attack altitude of 9,450 metres. At 8am Japan time... The crew of the Enola Gay sighted Hiroshima, and at 8.15, the bomb was released. The aim point was the Aoi Bridge, which was a very distinctive T-shaped span over the Ota River, and at 8.15 in the morning, the bomb was released. It marked the first use of atomic weapons in war. It took roughly 45 seconds for Little Boy to descend to an altitude of 580 metres, 
at which point it exploded in the sky directly above the Shima Hospital. Within a fraction of a second, the ground temperature had exceeded 7,000 degrees Celsius, which is hotter than the surface of the sun. Of a population of 343,000 inhabitants, some 70,000 people were killed instantly. By the end of the year, the death toll had surpassed 100,000, as numbers of people dying from burns, radiation poisoning, and other injuries began to rise. The number became close to 130,000 deaths. Two-thirds of the city was destroyed, and a mushroom cloud rose to a high of more than 12 kilometres above the city. And what's horrifying was that almost less than 2% of the uranium contained in Little Boy actually achieved fission, which meant that this bomb was horrifying in its destructive power. Little Boy was equivalent to 15,000 tonnes of TNT, and it destroyed 26 of the 33 modern firefighting stations in Hiroshima, either killing or injuring three-fourths of the firefighting personnel. Of the 298 registered physicians in Hiroshima, only 30 were fit enough to care for survivors. More than 1,800 of the city's 2,400 nurses and orderlies were either killed or seriously injured. And every hospital, except one, was either destroyed completely or severely damaged. Black rain was a radioactive rain that fell on Hiroshima following the bombings. This rain was... It almost had the consistency of tar, and it was a combination of ash, radioactive fallout, and water. And so, in some cases, severe radiation burns had resulted from this, of it falling on people. But because people had felt so thirsty after the bombing, and being thirsty is a symptom of radiation sickness, people had drank black rain, which unfortunately led to an earlier death as it burned them from the inside. And so after the Hiroshima bombing, there was no response from the Japanese government because, yes, the Japanese government cared about their people and cared about their citizens, but it wasn't top of their list. You know, it was more towards mid to the bottom of their list of concerns. And so when they still didn't surrender, plans went forth to proceed with the second bombing on Nagasaki. So the bombing in Nagasaki was on August 9th, 1945. At 3.47 in the morning, the B-29 boxcar departed from Tinian, and they carried a plutonium-fueled implosion design, and this was called Fat Man. Similar to the bomb detonated at the Trinity test, and unlike Little Boy, Fat Man was actually fully assembled when it was loaded onto the aircraft and shortly after takeoff it was armed. Around 9.45 in the morning, Boxcar had reached Kokura, but the city was covered with thick cloud and haze, possibly the result of a firebombing on the nearby city of Yahata the previous night. And so... Three attempted bombing passes failed to yield a clear view of the aim point, which was the city's massive arsenal. And so after 45 minutes of circling over Kokura, concerns were made about the diminishing fuel supply and potential Japanese anti-aircraft defences. 
And so the Manhattan Project veteran that was on board the flight, Comrade Frederick Ashworth, made the decision that they would proceed with their secondary target. And so pilot Charles Sweeney turned the plane south to Nagasaki. Now, geographically, Nagasaki wasn't a very ideal target. Hiroshima was flat, and the bombarder's aim point was visually distinctive, but the urban area of Nagasaki was divided into two coastal valleys, and these were separated by a range of hills. And so the uneven terrain would reduce the destructive potential of this bomb, but this bomb was known to be significantly more powerful than the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. Shortly before 11am, Boxcar arrived in Nagasaki only to find that the city had been shrouded in thicker clouds than Kokoro had been. But by this point, the plane was running so low on fuel that Pilot Sweeney notified the crew that they'd only be able to make one pass over the city. And so unfortunately for the people of Nagasaki that day, a gap appeared in the clouds far north of the intended aim point, the Mitsubishi Arms Plant, and so the bomb was released. Fat Man descended to an altitude of 500 metres and at 11.02 in the morning detonated over the Urakami Valley, northwest of the city centre. An estimated 40,000 people were killed instantly and at least 30,000 more would succumb to the injuries and radiation poisoning by the end of the year. Fat Man detonated with an explosive force of 21,000 tonnes of TNT. Roughly 40% of the city's buildings were completely destroyed or severely damaged, but a significant part of Nagasaki, particularly the southeastern's industrial and government district, was relatively unscathed, and this was due to the geography of Nagasaki being in a valley. Unable to return to Tinian because of his increasingly desperate fuel supply, Sweeney guided Boxcar towards Okinawa, where he brought the aircraft in for an emergency landing. Emperor Hirohito set aside his tradition of not intervening in political affairs and he declared his support for the acceptance of the terms of the Botsdam Declaration, so his support for the surrender. On August 10th, one day after the Nagasaki bombing, the Japanese government issued a statement agreeing to surrender and on August 14th, the Japanese government accepted the Allied terms, listening to Emperor Hirohito, In the following day, August 15th, 1945, a recorded statement from Emperor Hirohito's address was made public to the Japanese, and it was actually the first time that they had heard the Emperor's voice, and so it was very significant for them. And so the Potsdam Declaration was an ultimatum issued by the United States, Great Britain, and China on July 26th, 1945, and it called for the unconditional surrender of Japan. So on September 2nd, 1945, Japanese representatives signed the official instrument of surrender, and it essentially said that it was the unconditional surrender of Japan to the Allied powers of the Japanese Imperial General Headquarters and all of Japanese armed forces and all of the armed forces under Japanese control wherever situated, But it also sort of said that the emperor didn't have any power. He didn't have any political power or any status, per se. But he was kept, as his role as emperor, for cultural significance to the Japanese. Because the emperor is like the top of the pedestal in Japanese culture. He's very, very important to them. 
And so out of respect, whatever respect the US had left for Japan, they made the emperor, they let the emperor stay for cultural significance. The US released an official devastation report, and this report stated that Hiroshima suffered 135,000 casualties. This is more than half of its population. The greatest number of these occurred immediately after the bombing. In Nagasaki, a city of 195,000 suffered 70,000 casualties. In Nagasaki, 20% of the total population were killed shortly after the blast, and 40% of the buildings were destroyed or damaged, and 30% of the total population were killed by the year's end. The report also stated that the effects of the atomic bombs on humans were primarily burns, including flash burns caused by radiation, mechanical injuries resulting from flying debris, falling buildings and blast effects, and radiation injuries caused by gamma rays and neutrons emitted at the instant of the explosion. So burns caused approximately 60% of the deaths in Hiroshima and about 80% in Nagasaki. Falling debris and flying glass caused 30% of the deaths in Hiroshima and 6% in Nagasaki. So no harmful amount of persistent radioactivity was found in either of the two cities months after the bombing and it is said that in modern times now the amount of radiation present in Hiroshima and Nagasaki is almost consistent with the amount of background radiation found in any other place of the world so it's relatively particularly safe to come visit Nagasaki and to live and so Hiroshima and Nagasaki both went under extensive reconstruction during the U.S. occupation of Japan. So in Hiroshima, the main factory of the Mazda Motor Corporation had survived the bombing, and so the growth of the Japanese auto industry would fuel much of Hiroshima's rebirth. In Nagasaki, a portion of the Urakami Basin, devastated by the bomb, was rebuilt. While large parts of the historical city had survived the war, it would serve as a major tourist destination, both Hiroshima and Nagasaki became centres of the movement to ban nuclear weapons. Peace and Memorial Park in Hiroshima is dedicated to those killed and affected by the bombs, and the ruined shell of the Hiroshima Prefectural Industrial Promotion Call, and this building is now known as the Atomic Bomb Dome, or Genbaku Dome, and this was named UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1996. The survivors of the bombings are known in Japan as Hibakusha, and they were promised free medical care for life by the Japanese government. So with this information that you now have, I'd like you to question this event and think, was the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, was it ethical? Was this justified? Can you justify the mass loss of life that happened. You know, can the US say that, oh yeah, they they bombed Pearl Harbor, we did it in retaliation, you know, they killed our men, we'll kill their men. Can they justify it? You know, two hundred thousand people died. And majority of those were in fact civilians. Majority of those were civilians. And I want you to question that. I want you to question 
weather events such as theirs, whether it's atomic bombings or war or conflict or, you know, can these be justified? Can the loss of life ever be justified? And so this brings forth, you know, concerns for possible nuclear warfare in the future. You know, there's talk of hydrogen bombs in conversation, you know, and there's more atomic and nuclear weapons that are being developed. And so bearing what happened at Hiroshima and Nagasaki, we've learned from this event. We know what power they have, and these bombs will be more powerful and will create more devastation than loss of life. Can we rightfully say that this is something that can happen, you know? It's up to us whether this technology is used for the greater good or if it's used in horrendous ways and is used to create harm. Only we can make that decision. And, you know, the thing of nuclear ban, and many people from Hiroshima and Nagasaki especially are now ambassadors for the ban of atomic weapons, And I rightfully agree with them, you know, we've seen what devastation they cause, and I don't think, personally, that this should ever, no one should ever have to experience this. You know, it was horrendous, and no one should ever have to go through this. The podcast you've just heard was researched, recorded, and edited by students attending the Otago University Advanced School Sciences Academy in 2022 with support from ORFM Dunedin. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.